23 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. We kick things off, as we often do, out in the markets. And joining me to take a look at the latest in business news is Akona Mlamleli, Portfolio Manager, 274 Investment Managers. Akona, good evening and welcome. Good evening, I welcome to the listeners this evening. I'm good, thanks for yourself. Akona, I want us to start off out in the West African nation of Nigeria, the largest oil producer on our continent. Uh, but it seems... Mm-hmm. Very much of their problems have a lot to do with, um, one, their inability to meet their OPEC production quotas, but also, two, uh, I guess uh, the inability to diversify that economy away from an over-reliance on oil and then add to that fuel subsidies. Because it seems they've had to now, I guess, stall a 5% levy on telecommunications players. Uh, it certainly has made, uh, you know, the, the um, South African headquartered MTN very, very happy. Talk to us mm. about what's happening here. Yeah, so the federal government um, in Nigeria yesterday suspended um, the actually controversial 5% excise duty um, on telecommunications services, which was recently um, announced by the Ministry of Finance. Mm. So the Minister of Communications and Digital Economy in Nigeria um, actually broke the news yesterday indicating that there will be a suspension particularly of this uh, 5%, particularly as this announcement was made um, at the inaugural meeting of the Presidential Committee on Excise Duty um, in Abuja, Um, but also indicating that he had petitioned um, the President Muhammad Buhari, um, particularly over the long-term effect of this tax, um, if allowed and if it was approved, um, but indicating that um, they will be constituting a committee which will look at the tax uh, to obviously critically advise the president appropriately on the going forward in terms of should they introduce it or um, should they obviously um, get away from this particularly. And that is obviously directed at the ICT sector. Mm. And and what would this tax have involved? I mean, um, what effectively are we taxing here? Because uh, I think, according to many reports, something similar has also been tried in um, neighboring Ghana. Yeah, high economic climate doesn't allow for um, continued burden, particularly for poor citizens um, within Nigeria and particularly in the market. Um, so, yeah, there are various um, tax messages. So, they indicated that um, if tax was implemented, it would obviously apply to all um, various forms of telecommunications, be it voice calls, um, text messages, data services, um, obviously putting very much, um, as indicated, pressure, particularly on the subscriber who would obviously have to take the burden for that. Yeah, yeah. And and I guess, I mean, th- there's big question marks around this um, for a sort of multi, I guess, or continental telecoms player like MTN. Uh, what implication would this tax have had for their operations out in Nigeria, which have also, I guess, in recent times have had a very sort of checkered experience there? I mean, they had, you know, some issues in repatriating profits out of the country. They had issues with, you know, exchange controls. They had issues with the central bank. Um, what what would this have meant for them? Yeah, so I think it would have hurt their subscriber base, particularly the consumers. Um, I think they would obviously take the biggest knock in terms of this, but um, in terms of this could obviously potentially incur or hurt um, further potential revenue for um, NTAs and other um, telecommunications um, giants that are, um, that are obviously um, operating within Nigeria. So you've got the likes of your ATEL Africa PLC, um, which does control more than a half of Nigeria's mobile uh, market. Um, so it would obviously be twofold, the companies um, that obviously take a mark on revenue, but also consumer pressure um, coming into um, how they'd be able to um, pay additionally for these services um, that the telecommunications companies offer to them. Yeah. 
And and just from where you're sitting, I mean, the uh, prospect of telecommunications playing a role in the diversification of the Nigerian economy, uh, mm. away from this um, reliance that we've spoken about on oil. Um, mm. The prospect of that? Yeah, so we already know um, the likes of MTA um, have tried to, and obviously done so successfully in the likes of your fintech, and obviously bringing that out particularly in the um, African region, and that has obviously been successful. Um, so very much big on the fintech and um, just diversifying the revenue stream, and obviously not overly being um, exposed, um, even though it, it, it still that telecommunications still does make up a very much a big chunk of their revenue. Um, however, they have been successfully diversifying into other um, regions and sectors um, within the mobile operating services by bringing in services within the fintech space, um, such as the banking and, and, and banking aspect, obviously, and banking transactions that have obviously um, come through quite nicely for them and other telecommunications companies. Yeah. Hey, Africa's most populous nation uh, coming on some tough times. But I guess uh, maybe just the last one before we let this one go. It does raise some questions uh, during this moment of very high energy prices about, you know, the, the true opportunity cost of not having refining capability or enough refining capability on our continent. Um, if you think about, you know, where some of the big refineries have been historically, South Africa, Angola, you know, Nigeria, in all of those markets, I mean, I, I remember seeing a, a you know, Financial Times report um, earlier on this year, which was suggesting that none of those markets are effectively, you know, um, enjoying full refining capacity coming on stream. Um, and that, I guess, makes us ultra vulnerable to what's happening out in Ukraine and in Russia. Yeah, unfortunately, um, that's, uh, we haven't obviously created that value chain. Um, we only focus on the one um, sector of the value chain, um, but other areas and other regions, particularly developed markets or other emerging markets such as um, Asia, um, have got that very much um, and excelled in and obviously covering that whole value chain, even though they don't have the, the resources uh, that we currently mine, um, such as oil, such as your platinum and gold and so forth. Um, so it, it is a struggle, and it, it, it is one that is obviously very much very prejudiced in terms of the African landscape and African countries um, not having diversified and able to just have that beginning to end value chain spectrum in terms of um, the services and what they're producing particularly in within the country. Mm, mm. Maybe then just, uh, you know, a um, last one on, on this, uh, you know, uh, oil issue and Nigeria. Um, I mean, these kinds of telecoms taxes are, are seemingly banded about by many African policymakers. A lot of people were expecting it to come online in the liberalization of the telecoms market in Ethiopia. It's come online in Ghana. Um, and I guess as people look for new revenue sources, probably the one place where they're likely to go. Yeah, so I think um, they obviously had to get out of, particularly um, in for example, um, had obviously had to get out of other countries, particularly the likes of Iran. Um, however, um, they have been quite successful um, in particularly uh, the Nigerian region. Um, and obviously, it is a market that is, uh, been able, they've been able to capture and grow quite successfully. Yeah, yeah. Let's shift our attention to ShopRite, putting out their numbers uh, for uh, the 52 weeks uh, ending, let me just get this right, 52 weeks ending uh, on the 3rd of July, 2022. It's been a relatively good showing, uh, at least of all from the liquor business, but also, I guess, a strong showing from all the operating divisions. What do you make of the set of numbers? Yeah, so I think it was a set of good, decent numbers, although the share price wouldn't um, 
we go back um, to October 30 today. So um, the group did present uh, numbers for the uh, year in July, um, reporting a 6%, uh, 6.8% jump in profits, um, and also seeing uh, group sales up by 9.6%. Um, in terms of some of the divisions within the group, um, within the sales growth, um, it did see um, quite a chunky um, jump, particularly in the liquor um, division of um, up in terms of sales growth by 44.5%, um, which is obviously quite decent, but as we know, that's obviously coming from a low base in the prior period. Um, the likes of your U-Save division um, sales growth being up by over 11%. Um, and then the upper market check is um, indicating a single-digit um, single growth of approximately 9.1%. Um, however, this um, could have been impacted by the riots that will take place. Um, so the group would indicate that despite being hit, um, particularly by the rise of last year, um, it did manage to um, add a great number of approximately 117 stores um, during the financial period. And also the group, obviously, in terms of expansion, um, just targeting a record 275 new stores um, with, with regards to the African segment, planning to open about 220 stores. So very much based on the growth trajectory and also very much very much big on investment and obviously to cater particularly for the growth that they anticipate in the next few years. Um, so that's um, coming through quite nicely. Um, however, the share price, um, as alluded earlier on, um, was down and down by 7.5%. Um, this could obviously be twofold, um, being that um, uh, estimates missed particularly to some of the results. Um, maybe some um, consensus was they expected more, analysts expected more, um, and also due to um, a dividend miss um, that they obviously could uh, market um, could obviously be um, coming to um, communicating that to obviously the company. And then, of course, a lot on the go for them. I mean, they've got a share buyback program. They, um, you know, uh, have uh, an acquisition of, um, you know, some of the uh, stores that uh, have been disposed of by MassMart. Uh, which is still before regulators and, uh, you know, uh, still being considered uh, there. Uh, So a lot, I guess, by way of, you know, potential areas uh, for share price appreciation and um, operational growth in the case of uh, that particular acquisition. When you look at the outlook, I mean, your your sense of uh, what this particular retailer might look like, but also on the back of um, your own assessment, I guess, of the competitive landscape that they operate in. Yeah, so um, as we indicated, the board did approve a uh, 1 billion rand share buyback um, for each of the next four years mm. um, and also um, continue also to gain market shares. They also are investing and the outlook obviously they indicated is quite um, cautiously optimistic. Um, as, as we indicated, um, the employee appreciation payouts that they did bring. Um, so in terms of that um, growth trajectory, um, the CEO did indicate that um, some of the investments um, that, are, that they're currently making, so one of uh, a few of these investments is the groundbreaking new um, um, 85,000 square meter Johannesburg campus, um, which will expect to go live by the end of the 2024 financial period. Um, so just increasing particularly that distribution capacity um, for the, the group and also catering for the growth that they're obviously potentially seeing in the next few years. Um, and as we um, rightly said, they're still waiting for approval for from the Competition Commission, um, particularly with the acquisition of the proposed Cambridge Foods, Nice um, Fish, and the Cash and Carry acquisition. Um, so they see a lot of growth, although competition is coming mm. from the likes of your pick and pay, um, who have obviously indicated that they want to grow um, that boxer, um, particularly that boxer lower-end market sure. um, store range, and also those introducing the 
the um, the red and the um, other the, the, the projects that they're obviously wanting to enter into the middle market and just catering for trying to compete particularly with the checkers um, and the wards um, particularly mm. market. I must say, though, that, um, you know, when one looks at these, this set of numbers, um, yes, happy times for many shareholders insofar as the dividend is concerned. But when you look at some of their newer initiatives, Checkers 6060, uh, you look at their Checkers Extra Savings, they've also la- launched a, uh, uh, you know, a fee-free bank account of late making, you know, uh, I guess the transition from just offering financial services as a value-added service, but also centering that now as a much bigger part of their offering across different income categories. Some comment on that? Yeah, so I think in terms of some of the new stores, so um, they did indicate that there will be new stores, particularly in the checkers, opening about 10 new supermarkets during the period, um, three of which um, are the new um, neighborhood um, checkers food format. Mm. Um, so that's obviously what they are introducing. Um, in terms of the details, in terms of some of the numbers, the growth of the the 1560 on demand service activities with the specific numbers, but um, that upper market checkers chain, which does include the checkers 5060 on demand service, was up by single digits of about 9.1%. Um, so there are continuously increasing, particularly the distribution centers, um, and also including a lot of um, what they want to obviously build and scale up, mm. particularly for the African market. And um, yes, they haven't been successful um, in other countries outside of South Africa, um, although they do have operations um, outside of South Africa, but they haven't been as successful as they've been in the South African landscape. But I think they're not forgetting where they're making their money, um, and obviously they're still trying to capitalize and they see potential growth. Um, they've, they've got the right management, they've got the right team um, that has steered this, this particular company on the screen trajectory um, that they're currently on. Yeah. Shift our attention now to that release from StatsSA earlier on today. Uh, national output numbers or GDP numbers coming through. Uh, and I guess for many people, uh, not surprising uh, for two related reasons. The one is mm-hmm. second quarter was also the quarter where that coincided with um, you know record bouts of load shedding. And I know many people listening to us tonight are also <laughs> you know enjoying candlelit dinners uh, involuntarily. So but also, if one looks at the manufacturing production and sales data for the month of May, uh, which came out uh, um, in the month of August, I think on the 11th of August, uh, already some of the clues were there. I mean, if uh, mm-hmm. one looks at major negative contributors in that set of numbers, petroleum, chemical products, rubber and plastics, which goes back to the refinery story we were talking about, uh, but also, I guess, some weaknesses in the automotive sector, agro-processing and uh, wood and timber products as well. Yeah, so um, South African economy has obviously shrunk. Um, if you haven't heard, um, it was down by 0.7% um, for the second quarter of the year. Um, the Statistician General um, indicating and communicating that this morning that um, some of the factors, particularly the main factors, um, was the power outages and those shedding, which have subsequently come back, um, but also especially to the flights that took place in KZN earlier this year. Um, so just maybe looking in terms of some of the numbers, um, they did indicate that um, sectors which would be impacted by merchandise, such as manufacturing, um, those unfortunately came under pressure by shrinking by 5.9% um, due to the impact, particularly in the 
flooding in KZN, um, where we saw um, infrastructure um, unfortunately um, being ripped quite significantly. And as we know, manufacturing is is the largest industry um, within the KZN region, accounting for a fifth of national manufacturing production, um, as per the SAFSA report. Um, And in other sectors, we saw the lack of agriculture um, coming under significant strain, um, that sector shrinking by 7.7% in the quarter, um, and that was obviously very much impacted by the high input costs that have come through, particularly year to date, um, such as the lack of um, fuel, um, such as the lack of um, fertilizers, um, that the industry is very much uh, dependent on um, for obviously to drive that uh, growth and production, say, uh, particularly within the sector. Um, and as you indicated, um, the job numbers that came through um, over a month ago um, indicating various sectors that unfortunately are not coming back and, and, and employing people. And I think the one that's very much, that we see very much blatantly, particularly the construction sector. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. And that sector continues, unfortunately, to not recover. So the construction sector, construction sector, apologies, um, is 24% smaller than it was before mm. um, the pandemic. Um, and I think we see that in terms of the job numbers. It's just an effect that's not coming back to employ people, but we also see that in the GDP numbers that came yeah. out today, that it continues to be the laggard, particularly against other sectors. Sure, sure. Last one, Akwana, before we let you go, Transnet uh, National Ports Authority uh, getting the green light for a pre-feasibility study here, uh, looking into uh, a massive uh, port terminal upgrade in Richards Bay and Eteguini. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, the, one wonders what this might mean for many secondary sectors of the economy and uh, many tradable sectors that export via those ports. In the case of Richards Bay, of course, uh, you know, minerals and so on, but then in the case of Durban, all manner of other things. Yeah, so the Transport National Port Authority, um, for those that may not know, it's an independent subsidiary, particularly of transport. Um, so the board has approved plans um, okay. that make way for the various expansions at the Durban and Richard Bay Port, um, including the new birth of the handling liquefied natural gas, mm. um, but also the program also speaks to position um, the port of Durban, sure. um, whose competitiveness, unfortunately, in the recent years um, has slumped and um, obviously impacting those sectors that you're specifically mm. talking about. Um, and obviously this program speaks to... Uh, let's pause just for a second uh, because I can see we've got a spot break nearing on us and we'll conclude on the TNPA story after this. Sure. 17 minutes it is before 8pm. It's our wrap of the top business stories in the markets and uh, joined by Akonam Lamlele, Portfolio Manager at 27.4 Investment Managers uh, to give us the latest there. And just before we went to the break, Akona, we're talking about, I guess... Uh, you know, the challenges around competitiveness. I mean, I've seen a few indices where, you know, the harbor there, Teguini, has uh, fallen uh, further and further down in those indices of uh, the speed with which containers, uh, you know, can move in and out of that terminal, the efficiency of the operations of that terminal, the ability to modernize its operations. I mean, they were hacked mm-hmm. about a year ago. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So so quite a bit on the go there. And I think that this might be, um, you know, a specter of good news. Uh, for many of those who use that port and also, I guess, many coal exporters and other uh, exporters of mineral commodities who export them via the um, uh, terminals that are out in Richards Bay. Yeah, so um, with the board approving particularly the expansion, um, which forms part of a $100 billion 
run um, KZN Logistics Hub Program, um, seeking just to revise particularly um, this area, particularly of the port, um, so that they can increase particularly capacity in their container handling um, and also treated for the equivalent units, um, particularly across um, the various divisions. Um, so it is very much good news. Um, and I think um, the Transport National Port Authority um, has received about 19 responses um, in terms of recent requests for information just to assess the market interest and um, to obviously design and develop um, this particular new infrastructure and also the financing opportunities and also the maintenance, um, particularly of this port that they are obviously trying to revise. Um, so they haven't obviously um, published the tender out for um, to go out to the market, uh, mm. but I think it will be good news um, going forward um, for these sectors who have been impacted quite heavily um, in terms of just getting their products out of the country sure. and also coming into the country. Akwana, we're going to have to leave it here. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time.